Welcome everybody to the DC Tweet Team podcast and this is Being a Fan. I am your host Andy Burrows. My guest today is none other than Washington Team Insider and good friend of the podcast, Mr. Lake Lewis. Lake, how are you, sir? Hey, how are you, Andy? I appreciate you having me on. I am very good. Thank you for asking, my friend Lake. As you know, this show is a little bit different, what we put out to the usual podcast. And um, this is one I've been looking forward to uh, since you and I got this confirmed. So, Lake, for many people, myself included, we'd all love to know how, like, your NFL journey started. How did you, how did the love of this uh, great game and like what led to you doing the, the job you are now that we all see you do and love so much? How did it all start for you, my friend? Uh, you know, I attribute all of that back to my uh, my father. You know, he's a big uh, sports fan, avid sports fan. And uh, he used to always tell me, you know, because I played, um, you know, football and basketball, uh, football all the way from Little League to varsity um, high school and basketball from Little League to a uh, brief time in college. And, um, you know, he used to always tell me that, if you were going to play the game or if you wanted to be more involved in broadcasting, you needed to know the history of the game. The irony is, Andy, my, my father was a diehard Cowboys fan. Oh, dear. <laughs> so, yeah, so we used to have some uh, some heated battles. You know, when I was younger, Washington was, was really good. I mean, they I feel bad for the people who are 35 and under because they don't know this outfit to be any good, but – you know, for some of us older uh, folks, we remember the heydays, you know, the Super Bowl runs and, you know, it was Super Bowl or bust for this team for a long time. So when Washington and the Cowboys used to play those games, you know, that rivalry was heated. The town would shut down for a week, you know, leading up to the game. And in my own house, my mother and sister would not let my father and me watch the games with each other because <laughs> uh, there was a lot of trash talking going on. So, you know, that. I always knew I wanted to be around the game after playing. And, uh, you know, when I was in college at Penn State, I was fortunate enough to be, you know, named the uh, student sports director for WPSU radio at the time. And, um, you know, that also led me to be the student play-by-play -play voice for Penn State football for uh, for three years. And, uh, um, you know, so that gave me my, my first taste of what it would be like and, you know, that helped me get opportunities with ESPN Radio in Florida, um, also CBS Sports Radio locally here in D.C. briefly. And, uh, you know, being a senior, uh, you know, Washington football team at the time, Redskins, you know, uh, reporter for USA Today Sports Media Group. So, you know, now I have sports journey. So uh, we'll, we'll see how long I can keep this running. Nah, you're doing a great job, my friend. You'll be there. Right. You'll be there for a long time. Um, so you mentioned there, Lake, that your father got you. Uh, he was a Cowboys fan. Mm -hmm. So how did you become a Redskins now Washington fan? I bet that was uh, interesting when you broke that news to your dad. Well, I mean, you know, I'm from the area. You know, um, uh, my father was the actual person that wasn't from the area. And, and for everyone that, that's out there that, that knows my family, when I refer to my father, just so you know, I'm, I'm actually referring to my stepfather. That's, okay. the person, that's the person that actually raised me. You know, he and my mom got together when I was three. You know, my sister was six. So that's 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 the man that raised us. But I, I'm still pretty tight with my biological father, who I share the same name with. Um, but, you know, there he, he was from the area. But my stepfather was was from North Carolina. And oh, OK. He, you know, he um he had mentioned to me the stories of when he was growing up in the deep South that, 
you know, there was really no other teams at that point in those markets. So you either were a Washington fan or you were a Cowboys fan because those were the two southernmost teams, you know, when he was a kid. Uh, so he chose the Cowboys and, you know, he, he used to always watch Cowboy movies. You know, that was his thing. He was, you know, John Wayne or some of these other guys. He was a really big, you know, Cowboy fan. And naturally he rooted for the Cowboys. And I, I can say, uh, Andy, my friend, um, you know, my, my stepfather passed away in February of this year. And uh, he actually was buried with a Cowboy scarf in his coffin. <laughs> Well, fair play to him. You know what I mean. May you rest in peace. But hey, uh, I'm probably going to go with. The, I'm probably going to go with the Washington one when I go. So, yeah. fair play, fair play, <laughs> fair play to the man. Fair play to the man. Um, Lake, what were your uh, like earliest game memories then of watching a game? Obviously, you say back then. I'm unfortunately one of these fans that hasn't seen too many. I mean, '92. Uh, I was 12 years old when we were in the mm-hmm. last Super Bowl. So, what are your earliest like big game memories and like players of yours that you were really drawn to when you were growing up? You know, it's, 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 it's a great question. And one of the games that I do remember vividly being there, so, uh, uh, you know, my, my godparents, um, you know, close family friends, they were, they worked, um, you know, at all the sporting events in the area. So I remember, you know, the, the Washington Diplomats, which was a soccer team, going to their games at RFK Stadium um Washington Bullets games I remember sitting ringside for wrestling events because that's what they did but more importantly they used to take me to Redskins games when I was a kid and I remember um I I couldn't have been more than seven six or seven and we were at a a monsoon rain um game against the uh St. Louis Cardinals and I think our good friend David Aldrich tweeted something about this a couple weeks ago and yeah, I was there. That was a, a, a torrential downpour. It was before, you, you know, all these nice stadiums and, and, and mm-hmm. you know, uh, drainage systems were in. So it was almost like this, they were playing in a puddle. And uh, I remember that vividly, that game. And then, of course, you know, just, just being in, in, in middle school when they uh, competed to get to the Super Bowl, um, you know, with the, the John Riggins run and uh, against the Miami Dolphins, and and I remember all the naysayers that were saying that this team was was benefiting from a strike shortened season, and they weren't that good. They weren't going to beat the Cowboys in the playoffs, and obviously they did. They beat them in the NFC Championship game, and then they followed it up. You know, two weeks later, um, you know that's when they used to do two weeks between Super Bowls. Um, you know, <laughs> they, they they beat the Dolphins in a in a great game and. That kind of springboarded the whole Joe Gibbs era, you know, four Super Bowl appearances and I think 11 years. They also could have had a fifth, you know, had they not lost to the New York Giants in the NFC Championship game. So, yeah, you know, being in, being from this area, growing up here in Washington, um, it was it was cool to be a Redskins fan at the time. And now Washington football team, you know, these young kids, they're suffering right now. I feel bad for them, my friend. Yeah, I'm one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm suffering. I'm so just just hearing like that's why I like doing this show. Like being a fan, I've spoke to so many people. Uh, like I've watched the Redskins now, Washington from like the seventies, eighties, nineties. That you know, that all I hear are the good times. So that's one of the reasons I wanted to do this 
do this show so we can put out about like you know with this team mm-hmm. was good once upon a time and we hope to get back there yeah. very very soon under um ron rivera so lake am i right in thinking that most of the games you attended would have been at RF, uh, rfk stadium oh absolutely absolutely what was your experiences there how did you find the stadium Oh, man. I mean, you know, I didn't live too far from there. And, 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 you know, all the stories about the stadium rocking and moving the bleachers, those are true. Those aren't just, you you know, clips that you see of maybe, you know, a few minutes of one game. No, that was every game for decades. It was, it was just unbelievable. You know, Andy, I tell people that Washington was, you know, I don't want to say they were the Patriots at one point. But they were pretty close. And and the irony was it used to be a time where we could tell you who was going to win the Super Bowl based off the 49ers, Washington, the Giants, and the Cowboys. It was it wow. was literally a four-horse race. And then every, you know, Chicago came around for a brief period, but Washington was plucking them off. I mean the Bears did beat Washington 23-19. I'll never forget that was a divisional playoff game. And that was kind of like the end of the run, you know, for Washington, mm-hmm. so to speak. You know, with, with, at least with Theismann. That was the end of the run. And, uh, you know, but before that, New York and Washington, they they, they would play two, uh, two, three times every year. Obviously, two times because of divisional play. But they always mm-hmm. met in the playoffs for some reason. And then the Cowboys, you know. And then the 49ers. So you, you think about the road to the Super Bowl was came through the NFC and it was it wasn't even fair. Whoever came out of the NFC would blow up the AFC. It was all I think it was like an 11 year run or 12 year run where it was 12 straight NFC victories and they were they weren't even close. So, wow, that's how much football was back then as far as just each game was. You know, it's only 16 games in a season, as we know. But those mm-hmm. games back then, every game counted. You could not afford to lose one or two games because you were going to lose home field advantage in the playoffs, and no team was going on the road and winning back then. It just wasn't happening. Like, are you telling me the NFC East used to be quite good? The NFC, I mean, absolutely they were, Andy. I mean, they that division, um, you know, during, during the, the, the 80s and 90s, you know, I'll I'll tell any sports fan, any football fan, find me another division that's had a run like this the NFC East has, you know, and, and, and you can't. I mean, I don't want to talk about one team for a division making the run for you. I mean, where all the teams in it were battling. Heck, even the Eagles. I know they just won a Super Bowl three years ago, but the Eagles had good football teams. They were teams that were making the playoffs as well. They just couldn't get over the hump. But New York, Dallas, and Washington were dominant. They would play other teams and beat them down and then beat each other up. So that's how dominant <laughs> the division was. <laughs> wow. Um, like I ask all my guests on this show, who is, who was your favorite player uh, growing up? Who was the jersey that you always had to buy, your name on your jersey? Who was the one player that you looked up to and just absolutely adored? You know, that that's it's tough. There was so many players that, that this team had that were really good. I, I think the one guy for me probably would be Art Monk. Um, uh, this, I hear that a lot on this show. You're about the fourth person to say him. Yeah, Art, Art Monk was just a, he was a quiet assassin. I mean, he was a guy that didn't say much, but, you know, he just he, he put up numbers on you. And, uh, 
you know, I was also a big Gary Clark fan too. You know, I thought Gary Clark kind of, when he came in from the USFL, he, he, he kind of gave Washington a little bit of swag, you know, that the team hadn't had. They were just a, a hard-nosed blue-collar type team in, in a white-collar town, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, but they, they played very tough. And when Gary Clark came, he was kind of like the big playmaker, the guy that would go out and stuff like that. So he kind of gave him a little bit of energy and juice. But uh, Art Monk was my guy. And then I would say later on, um, just because I was in Florida covering this guy, um, you know, when he was at uh, when he was at the University of Miami, and uh, that was Sean Taylor, big big uh, fan of his. Before he even came to Washington, I was a big fan of his. And when when they had the position and opportunity to draft him, I just thought it was a, it was a coup for Washington, and it was. I mean, this guy was a, was a, a once in a lifetime type of player, and unfortunately, his life was taken from him way too early but had he uh you know had we not dealt with the tragedy of sean taylor you're talking about not just one of the best safeties of all time but this guy had the makings to be one of the top football players of all time very much so did you get a much chance to interact with him lake in your like in the years of broadcasting did you get any any chance to interview him or anything no i actually had a chance and and when i was espn radio in florida because we were um, one of the flagship stations for the university of miami this was when i was in orlando we were actually Mm -hmm. one of their flagship stations and um you know so we did an interview there but i i never physically had a chance to 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 meet sean taylor or talk to him in in person one-on-one i wasn't um, up here covering the team at that time so i came up here the year i came up here was a year after he had after he had passed so it was uh you know i always say that's one of the regrets that i do have in, in my career is that i never got a chance to actually physically see him in front of me um i've just heard so many great stories about the guy from from uh, former teammates to to people who knew him, and ironically, one of the first interviews I had when I came back up here to this market was his father, Pete, and uh, he and I kept in touch, you know. And um, we've done a couple of things together, and there was talk of me helping him with a book and everything. So, you know, wow. it's just the irony of that. And then also, I have like a little a, a story, you know. I'll be quick about it, but uh, that's okay. I was I was. Um, good friends with Chris Wilson who used to play here. And um, one day Chris calls me and says, Hey, what are you doing? Do you have, you know, a few minutes to come over meet me at this address and I'll give you the address. And I'm like, okay, cool. Um, he was, he told me I was married. Then he told me to bring, bring my wife and my daughter and we pull up to this house. I didn't know where I was. I just knew I was in Ashburn where I, where I live still. And uh, um, we're waiting in our, in our car and Chris and his wife and kids pull up. And then this other truck pulls up and there's a young lady that gets out and she has a, a, a daughter who's probably at the time, I think she was like nine or 10. And um, so we get out the car, she opens her truck. She was gearing to pull a box out and she, the box drops out of her truck. So Chris and me run over, help her pick the box up and we carry it into this house. So the house we go into, Daryl Green meets me at the door. It's Daryl Green's Whoa. house. So <laughs> but, but the story gets better. It's Daryl Green's house. And he said, oh, you know, his wife's having a jewelry party. So that's what this lady was bringing her box in with her daughter. It was jewelry in the box. So my wife and daughter go over to the other side, blah, blah, blah. And I'm in this room with um, Daryl Green and Chris Wilson. And we're just talking. We're talking about Daryl Green's, you know, 
uh, he had like a device for shoes that counted your walk and stuff. He, you know, he's a health nut. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, later on we're leaving. And at the time my wife tells me, she says, Hey, do you know who that lady and little girl were? And I said, no. And she said that was Jackie Garcia and Sean Taylor's daughter. <laughs> wow. And they, you know, so she was playing with my daughter. So I just thought, you know, I just thought that was pretty cool. One of my favorite players, I was at his house and, you know, you talk about the fandom, obviously being in media, we can't be fans. It's, it's, you know, no. you, you just can't, but that was my moment of an all shucks type moment of like, wow, I'm at Daryl Green's house, just, you know, chilling with him. And, um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and then, you know, just, you know, run into Sean Taylor's um, at the time, you know, that was his fiance and his daughter, you know, that, that I just thought that that was pretty interesting. It kind of, let me know where I was, you know, with what I was doing was I was connecting with some of the right people. Yeah, 100%. Wow, that is definitely a sign that you're doing something right, my friend. <laughs> that is uh, that is amazing. Um, Lakers, um, I asked everyone this. If Is there one game that if you could relive the entire day that just made you like, for any reason, is there a game that you would just love to go back and just either be in the stadium or even something that you might have covered now in your professional capacity? Is there one game that stands out for you that you just think, oh, boy, I'd love to have that day again? Oh, yeah, it, it was. And again, it was when I was a fan, when I was a kid. And uh, it was the NFC Championship game where they beat Dallas 31-17. Um, that mm-hmm. was the pinnacle of everything coming together to finally signal that that, that the organization had arrived at that time, you know, that moment in time. And um, it was against their most hated rival when there really was a rivalry between the two cities and towns and teams. And, um, you know, the way they did it, they knocked out, you know, Danny White, (laughs) Cowboys quarterback, (laughs) Um, you know, the tip ball, Daryl Grant picks it up, runs it in the end zone. I, I remember that game vividly. And it also had me start a hobby that I did, you know, literally up until probably when I have my daughter, um, you know, when you're a parent, you don't have time for that stuff anymore, but what the, Oh yes. I know the the hobby was, uh, (laughs) I used to collect the actual broadcast from old games and there's a huge community out there that trades games. You can't sell them naturally because there's copyright infringement, but you can trade games. And, you know, I was getting games on VHS tapes. I got a game. Um, and I still have these to this very day. I have a game, it's from a reel. Someone took it from an actual reel of wow. Pittsburgh Steelers against Washington. Sammy Ball's quarterbacking. And I have it. <laughs> Literally. Wow. Um, there's no sound on that reel, but some of the other games, you know, I have every Super Bowl, um, you know, except for Super No one has that because the NFL warehouse burned down with those. So, you yeah. know, you, you go back and you look at games of the actual live broadcast, you know, TV broadcast of Super Bowl three and four and five and all these games. I used to do that. So I have tons of Washington games. And to me, I did that because my father was telling me, if you're going to do this, you need to know the history of what you're doing. And and Mm -hmm. that's how it helped me out. You're going to be one of them cool like parents when you're older or like when you're like a grandfather, <laughs> like everyone's going to want to come to your house because you're going to get out them tapes and they're going to be like, what's this spaceship thing that he's called out? No, this is a VHS. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they don't know what that is. I, I got a joke. I, t- I, I talked to some guys in the locker room last year. I'll never forget this. I'm not going to say their names because they might take some heat for this. But <laughs> one of the guys, we were just talking about old things and I asked them 
you know, did they have a Walkman when they were younger? And he was like, no, I had, I had quite a few of them. But he said, what was that? He said, oh, wow. What what is that? And I said, you've never had a Walkman, like the headsets and you, you know, you have like a tape cassette. He said, oh, I heard of those. He said, didn't they used to make like um, um, CDs where they had a CD player like that, too? Like they were literally <laughs> baffled that we walked around with those things. Uh, I, feel, I feel so old now, Lake. <laughs> I feel yeah, so times old. Times have changed. Yes. Uh, times, have, uh, times have definitely changed now. Obviously, now, Lake, um, moving forward to your capacity now, uh, how did you find adjusting? Obviously, like you say, you're not really allowed to be a fan now. How was the adjustment from like when you started out uh, in the broadcasting and the radio and the media? How did you find adjusting from just going from uh, Lake Lewis, the fan, to Lake Lewis, the guy we know now? You know, it was it was difficult in the very beginning because when I started this, you have to keep in mind some of the guys that I went to college with, you know, some of the some of the football players, at Penn State at the time that were getting drafted were guys that were my guys in college. We used to hang out and party together. And, you know, so to to go from not being able to to cheer for them in in a capacity was tough. So what I've done to this very day is I have really tight relationships with with several players, not just from here, but across the league and, and across different sports. And what I do is internally, I root for those individual players to have success in their careers. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so never outwardly in a a press box or anything like that. But internally, yeah, I'm rah-rah for those guys to have success because at the end of the day, you want them to, you know, have a good livelihood. You want them to do well for their their career and for their families, you know. So I don't think there's anything wrong with that with any journalist that has that kind of relationship with players. Some journalists don't have those relationships. And and there was a there was a moment and I don't have a problem saying this. Um I'm a little older now and 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 more outspoken about certain things. Um there was a time when I wasn't supposedly wanted up at 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 the time Redskins Park, you know, by other media because they thought I was fraternizing with the players. And it was none of the above. It's just that I had relationships with players that used to call me and ask me questions as a man, you know, like, hey, mm-hmm. how do I yep. handle this situation? Uh, most of it was non-football related. And I had certain players, p- parents approach me and say, hey, can you watch out for my son? Can you give him some good advice and, and, and you know, kind of coach him up? Not what to say to media who's going to, you know, trap him or whatever. And, mm-hmm. you know, that stuff means something to me because it means that they would see something in me as a person that they would entrust me to do that. So, yeah, I, I say to all those media people, shame on you if you if that's, you know, what you thought was happening. And I'm sorry that you don't have those type of relationships. That's your own personal problem, not mine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, most definitely. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> Lake, last few for me. I know your time is very precious. I know you're a very busy man. So the last two questions for me. Lake, if you could give, uh, what would the one bit of advice you'd be? Obviously, you've gone from fan to media. People like myself who do a podcast and things like that. What would the one bit of advice that you'd be, that you'd give to people like myself and like people out there that are looking to get into the media industry? Because you're, you've been there and done it. You've gone from being a fan of a football team and you've gone into the media. What's the one bit of advice that you'd give me or the one bit of advice that's always put you in good stead throughout your career? I just think you have to be fair and not biased. I mean, regardless of whatever your 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 fandom is, you know, naturally I would love for this team to win. You know, I want to cover mm-hmm. a winner. I want to 
I covered the Ravens for one season and the next year they won the Super Bowl. So I'm like, wow, missed out on that. But yeah, late time to leave Washington, <laughs> mate. Bye bye. <laughs> you, you know, you know, so missed, missed out on that because I came to cover this team, which was something that was in my heart. I always wanted to do it and I'm doing it. But you you know, you 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 can't be biased. You can't. You have to report the facts and you have to report the truth. And the other thing is you don't have to report everything you know. I mean, that's something mm -hmm. that some people get caught up with. Like, I know a lot of things and I, I know a lot of things that go on in the building and knew a lot of things that were going on in the building. But some of that stuff is rumors. Some of it's hearsay. Some of it's not for you to all of a sudden be judge and juror. You know, there's a time yeah. all that stuff will come out, as we've seen recently. Um, you know, but with all that said, I, I think if you go about your job and, and you're fair and your approach with everyone, um, you know, I, I think you'll have success with it. So that's what I always try to tell young people who try to get into this business. I'm not an expert at this. I'm not, I don't have all the answers. I just know what works for Lake Lewis. And, you know, I think it's worked well for me. And that's to just, you know, be even killed with everything you do. Yeah, that's very true what you said there about like hearsay. I was speaking to, I won't name him, but I was speaking to a reporter last week and he's the same as you. He's like, Andy, my one bit of advice to you would be don't report on hearsay and gossip. Uh, just report on what you know is right and um, you won't go far wrong. So that's, uh, that is very true what you, uh, what you say there, Lake. Absolutely. Um, last one from me, buddy. You have three people that you can invite for dinner in the NFL, past or present, alive or dead three people that you can sit around your dinner, uh, your dining room table and just chew the fat with all night, sink a few beers, who would them three people be? Man, that's a tough one. Well, first and <laughs> foremost, I would say Sean Taylor's one of them. Um, yep. And, uh, you know, I probably would say Joe Montana would be another one. Um, just, just because I, I'd like to see the, the analytical approach that he would take to a game, you know, how he saw things. Uh, I think that would be pretty interesting. And then the other guy might be a surprise. I, I, I may go someone like Jim Brown, just, just because of the, the times that he played in and, and, and we're dealing with a lot of things with, you know, um, in society now and um, the social fabric of the world that we live in is changing for the better, I, I would like to say. Um, but this was a guy that was living in some of the ugliest times and, and still dominating on the field, knowing you were going to be a marked man. I, I probably would invite him just to get some insight on that as well. Wow, that sounds like a, a great dinner pie. For what it's worth, Lake, I'd probably choose you just so you can get your VHS tapes out. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> Lake, it's been it's been brilliant having you on. Being a fan, my friend, uh, thank you. I know your time is uh, is very precious, so I really appreciate the short time that you've been able to spend with us today. Uh, thank you for coming on and sharing a few stories with us, uh, brother. And um, I I love your work. Keep doing what you're doing, Lake, and um, I will talk to you soon, my friend. Thanks so much, Andy. I appreciate it. Anytime you want me on, I'm there. You guys keep up the great work. The fans love it. They really do. Uh, thank you very much. That means a lot coming from you, my friend. I'll talk to you soon, okay, Lake. Take care.